Well, hello to my beautiful listeners, and welcome to a very special podcast episode where you get a special peek into exactly the kind of person I was in college. My name's Amanda. Welcome back. If you are listening on the Luck We Had feed, I'm one of your hosts. My name is Amanda. If you're listening on the Skip to the Gay Parts feed, hi, I know it's been a minute. I'm so sorry. Welcome back. So yes, for everyone listening on the podcast feed of The Luck We Had, a shameless recap podcast, today is going to be a deep dive into not only an episode of the show, but into one Mikhailo Alexander Milkovich in seasons one through four as part of our interlude here before we dive into season five. And for everyone on my Skip to the Gay Parts feed, today will be different because this episode will not cover all of the gay parts of Mickey Milkovich's 11 seasons on the Showtime series Shameless, but... Don't worry, I will be back to finish his story one day, because Mickey is nothing if not the gay parts that I skipped to. The OG gay parts that I skipped to, if I was quite honest. Beaten out possibly only by the first gay kiss ever on daytime television, Luke and Noah on As the World Turns. But Mickey, Mickey was right there with me from day fucking one. For anyone who listened to me on my Luck We Had feed, yes, I do in fact host a second podcast called Skip to the Gay Parts where we analyze gay television or gay characters in television or queer-coded characters in television such as the queer-coded man himself, Dean Winchester, or actual canon queer characters like Captain James Flint of Black Sails. And if you're listening on my Skip to the Gay Parts feed, yes, I do in fact host a shameless recap podcast. We have just finished up season four, which is why this is the little interlude until we begin season five. So I hope everyone listening very much enjoys this little hybrid episode I've cooked up for you all. I'm so sorry it's been so long. Here is what I have for you. I've made you all wait long enough. Let's just dive right in, shall we? So to set the stage for this particular episode, I wrote this in my second semester of college in my theorizing communications class. My professor had assigned us a seven to 10 page paper about anything in the media that we wanted to apply our theoretical studies thus far on. Season four of Shameless had just ended and I was hyper fixated to the max. I repeat, this assignment was a seven to 10 page paper at the maximum. My first draft was 30 pages long. Professor Harry Haynes, you are a real one for putting up with me for not one, not two, but three different semesters. In the end, I got this beautiful paper down to 22 pages, size 11 font, again, so sorry, Mr. Harry. And listeners, not two weeks after I turned in my abstract for this paper, not to brag, but we were then screening the first episode of Shameless in class. That's right! The Gallaghers were a part of my academic curriculum. They were a question in my final simply because I would not shut the fuck up about them. Do you all see now why I run two podcasts about television shows? I've never learned how to shut the fuck up in my entire life. So, you know what? Let's begin this fun little experiment here, and I will tell you all what I wrote in my paper entitled... Dissecting the Uncommon Thug, a study of Mickey Milkovich. Mikhailo Alexander Milkovich, more commonly known as Mickey Milkovich, is an enigma. Upon first glance, he seems simple to understand, but he's actually a very complex character for someone to wrap their head around. And he also happens to be one of the best written gay characters I'd seen on television. Mickey appears on Showtime Network's Sunday hit, Shameless, a drama about a lower-class family living on the south side of Chicago. This particular show is considered high-quality television in its first few seasons due to its brashness and its unapologetic nature. It's clever and witty writing and its talented, Emmy-nominated, but never winning, cast. However, topping my list of my favorite aspects of Shameless is the storyline of one Mickey Milkovich. 
It's my personal belief that Mickey's storyline is different and frankly better than just many other quote-unquote coming out storylines on television shows that I'd seen thus far. Mostly because the coming out aspect of Mickey's character arc is mixed in with a tale of a boy overcoming an abusive past and making a slow crawl towards finding himself. Every aspect of Mickey's character is approached with a dirty, real, and shameless attitude that is not only refreshing to see, but necessary to portray to a wide audience of people. Academic textbooks argue that the prominence of a coming-out storyline with a gay character, quote, obscures the simple problems that homosexuals and heterosexuals share every day as humans, end quote. They also claim that, quote, coming out as a dramatic moment becomes a new way to other homosexuals, end quote. However, the beauty of this particular storyline is that Mickey isn't othered by his coming out. Mickey isn't a gay character. He's so much more than that. He's a complex child abuse victim, a Southside thug young man whose character arc happened to include a romance with another man. Every character in Shameless has a secret part of their life that they don't share with others. And Mickey's happens to be his sexuality. In fact, in season four, a day or so after Mickey publicly and loudly outs himself in the Southside bar where he works, there's an entire scene of him re-entering his everyday environment. He's waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it never does. A bar full of lower class, average Joe, Chicago guys actually subvert their conversation to make Mickey more comfortable. And after a short, tense moment in the wake of a gay joke, the bartender Kevin tells Mickey to sit down and relax and have a beer. Because in his words, no one gives a shit who you bang. This isn't to say Shameless is without fault when one thinks of equal representation. The characters in Shameless still exist in a misogynist and patriarchal society because the show takes place in real-world Chicago. And for that fact, within this show, we can admit that it is, it's really white. The show is very white for a show that is set in the south side of Chicago. It has black characters, but this is a very white television show. And that fact is acknowledged. According to academic texts, quote, the actual number of heterosexual and homosexual characters and personalities in American media is wildly disproportionate, end quote. And it's frustrating that even on a show with such a well-written gay couple, two well-written gay characters, the amount of sex scenes or just intimate scenes that they are given is wildly disproportionate to those of the heterosexual couples in the show. Where a straight couple in the show may be having a conversation naked in bed together, Ian and Mickey could be having the conversation of the same severity, except they're often fully clothed and not engaging in any sort of intimate activities. And the few times Ian and Mickey have been shown in a sexual or intimate context, it is always immediately followed by someone walking in, a fight ensuing, and a breakup happening soon afterwards. However, despite this bout of inequality, the story that is told by way of Mickey Milkovich is relevant and necessary. It's necessary to send the message that not every gay person's coming out experience is the same and that the overly flamboyant characters like Kurt Hummel on Glee and Jack McFarlane on Will and Grace aren't the only kind of gay person there is. The idea that they are is supported by the assertion made by queer theorists that, quote, traditional understanding misrepresents the full spectrum of human sexuality, end quote. Shameless just goes to show that you can be the biggest terror in the neighborhood, subscribe to all the heteronormative stereotypes that make you out to be strong and powerful man, and be gay all at the same time. <coughs> Dean Winchester, <coughs> are you listening? Oh, sorry, a little something caught in my throat there. Mickey Milkovich is not one of the main characters of Shameless. The show is actually about the lower-class family called the Gallaghers. The audience is only introduced to Mickey through his relationship with the second-oldest brother in the Gallagher family, Ian Gallagher. 
Mickey's significance is present from day one, but it evolves so much in seasons three and four due to the actor who plays him, Noel Fisher, as well as, partially, the writing staff. Fisher and his incredible acting style are where what we call encoding and decoding come into the mix when it comes to Mickey Milkovich. Noel Fisher is not only a talented actor, but he has a genuine love and a deep understanding of his character, which is shown in all of the small, unscripted moments of the series. Noel, playing Mickey, has found a way to break viewers' hearts and bring tears to their eyes with three lines and a facial expression. His acting style falls squarely in the, quote, use stage of the four stages of what media analysis call encoding and decoding, which is allowing the audience to interpret his feelings and his mood with little to no dialogue. Fisher has found a way to separate the lines he is saying from the emotion he is actually trying to portray. He could be yelling at Ian that they're over, screaming and demanding that their relationship isn't important, but then his body language tells a different story. The set of his jaw, the look in his eyes, they let people know that saying these things breaks his heart. You can actually see in his eyes when he's letting his walls fall down. His smile is brighter when he's letting Ian in. His entire body is physically relaxed. But then when a threat is presented, his walls snap right back up. His shoulders square off and the macho manly Southside thug dominates his physicality. Watching Noel Fisher work is one of the most magnificent and enjoyable parts of seeing Mickey in an episode of Shameless. One thing that should be made abundantly clear that unfortunately only sticks out to people who pay attention is that Mickey Milkovich and his sister Mandy Milkovich are products of an abusive home. Their father, Terry Milkovich, is an ex-con, white supremacist, homophobic man who spends his free time sexually, violently, and verbally assaulting his kids. The Milkovich mother is nowhere to be found, presumed dead, and this is what makes Mickey's evolution not only one of recognizing his sexuality, but overcoming his crippling fear of his father. His glib and dismissive attitude is obvious, as is the fact that Mickey is constantly filthy. In season two, he's offhandedly referred to as, quote, the dirtiest white boy in America. But his reasons for being so filthy are far from funny. Mickey doesn't wash himself because he doesn't think it matters. He doesn't think he matters. No one cares if he lives or dies. Who cares if he's clean? These are all survival techniques of an abused child, no doubt also fueled by hiding deeply in the closet. According to some academic texts, growing up in an abusive home can, quote, lead to an unhealthy relationship because the adult doesn't know what a good relationship is, end quote. This is clearly demonstrated as a trait of Mickey's because he is distant and non-committal to Ian for most of their relationship and is unaware that he's doing things that are hurting the other man. Being like this is Mickey's only way of protecting himself, but as Mickey grows in the series, he realizes that he is not only capable of loving himself, but that he is fiercely loved by Ian Gallagher. And because of this, his appearance starts to change. There's less dirt on his face. His clothes change more often, and when they do, they're clean. He adjusts his appearance and behavior, but still maintains who he is, right down to the tough-looking fuck-you-up prison tat permanently etched on his knuckles. Now, when it comes to coming out, Mickey never gives much thought to actually coming out because he's too busy trying to survive. Noel Fisher has said that Mickey's storyline is about, quote, making that slow crawl towards himself, end quote. It's about realizing he's worthy of love and that he has every right to stand up and be who he is. That he doesn't have to be afraid of his abusive father anymore. Mickey is a young man just trying to live day to day and maybe just be able to make it to 18 still breathing. Falling in love was an accident, one that he fought tooth and nail to deny even happened. His sexuality made him feel so shameful and wrong that he felt the need to hide it from everyone in his life. 
It scared him to death because he knew if his dad ever found out, he'd be a dead man. But in the end, being loved by Ian is what gives Mickey the strength to be able to proudly be who he is. No matter how incredibly terrifying and life-threatening that idea is. The journey is what makes Mickey's character so significant to the queer narrative presented in most mainstream television. Mickey's character is established from the second he appears on screen. It's made clear to the audience that this thug, though a little short, can and will beat the ever-loving shit out of you. His specific mission in the very first episode we see him in is to attack Ian Gallagher, as Mickey is under the impression that Ian had sexually harassed Mickey's sister, Mandy. That may be one of my favorite parts of Mickey's character introduction. He isn't brought in as Ian's love interest. He isn't introduced as another gay character. In fact, there's stereotypically nothing about him that suggests that he's gay. He's just an angry older brother swooping in to defend his sister's honor. All heteronormative stereotypes are firmly set in place, so we accept this character as a threat to Ian, a character we've now known for three episodes. And then we start rooting against Mickey for coming after Ian. We spend that whole first episode of Mickey's seeing Ian dodge Mickey's attacks, and finally being able to put a stop to them when Ian outs himself to Mandy so that she'll call off her absolute pit bull of a brother. Thankfully for Ian, it works. Mickey stops attacking. However, he does constantly return to shoplift and essentially rob the store that Ian works at. And since the Milkoviches are known in the community as violent and terrifying criminals, Cash, the owner, and a grown man who is having regular sex with a 15-year-old Ian Gallagher, never tries to stop Mickey. One day, Mickey takes things a step too far by robbing the store and taking the gun kept behind the counter when Cash pulls it on him because Cash is, above all else, a pussy. And when Ian finds out about this theft, he breaks into Mickey's house, wielding a tire iron and demanding the gun back. What then starts as an altercation for dominance quickly turns sexual. A moment clicks between the two teenagers as they lock eyes and they promptly start tearing each other's clothes off. Looking back on it now, that is the moment that set the tone for their entire relationship. Ian and Mickey's relationship is held together by lust and blood before love ever enters the equation. And both boys are pretty much okay with that. After the first sexual encounter, Mickey returns the gun, and when Ian goes in for a thank you kiss, Mickey tells him, kiss me and I'll cut your fucking tongue out. Now, in reference to the fact that Ian and Mickey don't get as many intimate scenes as the straight couples on the show, I will say that for the first few seasons, that is because... Cameron Monaghan was not yet 18, so they weren't going to film intimate scenes with an actor who was under 18. After that, there's no excuse. It's just homophobia. So using language like, kiss me and I'll cut your fucking tongue out, and acting out in the way that Mickey does clearly establishes him as a criminal. It makes him appear manly and tough and pretty much anything except stereotypically gay. However, his actions do tie in to a point that academics make associating homosexuality with criminality in the media. Quote, outside of frequency of representation, Hollywood has historically used homosexuality as a marker for deviance or criminality, end quote. However, like most aspects of queer theory brought up in that text, Mickey Milkovich's character doesn't exactly fit that mold. Yes, he's homosexual. Yes, he's a criminal. But his homosexuality has nothing to do with his criminality. The academic texts are talking about characters that were criminals or villains because they were gay. Their gayness was part of the criminality or ones whose homosexuality fueled their criminality. But Mickey was a Southside thug in a criminal family long before figuring out his own sexuality. In fact, one could argue that Mickey is able to be a criminal thug in spite of his gayness. 
Diversity win, the little thug that robbed you at knife point is gay. Now for the rest of the first season, Ian and Mickey carry on a sexual relationship in secret. Mickey trading his shoplifting ways for a quickie in the back room with Ian. And the pinnacle moment for Mickey in season one comes in an episode titled, At Last Came a Knock. This is an episode where Ian's bipolar mother comes back into town and Ian is so in distress, he goes running to the only person who makes him feel safe. When he knocks on Mickey's door, Mickey opens it to tell Ian that this is not a good time. The audience can hear Mickey's abusive father screaming in the background, and Mickey is smoking a cigarette, obviously in distress of his own. However, when he sees Ian's worried face, and Ian tells Mickey, I need to see you. I didn't know where else to go. Mickey's face softens, and he makes the decision to help Ian. He tells the younger man to meet him in the convenience store in 20 minutes. This is another moment where Noel Fisher actively engages in the use stage of what we call encoding and decoding. All of the brilliance of the moment where Ian comes to the door is in the way that Noel Fisher delivers Mickey's lines. With his simple facial expression, he was able to portray that Mickey was starting to have feelings for Ian. He wipes the side of his mouth, he worries his bottom lip between his teeth, he looks back over his shoulder to make sure his dad can't hear. It's clear that Ian's pain means something to Mickey, and he's willing to try and make him feel better despite the backlash that it might create from his father. Now, this process we call encoding-decoding, the use stage, is when the producer puts out one message and the audience is meant to interpret it in a certain way. However, I think that Noel Fisher takes the words of the writers and uses his acting and his own interpretation of the character to say words like, say that again, I'll rip your tongue out of your head, and have him be sweet. It makes Ian blush. It makes him smile. It's cute and flirtatious. It's a threat, but it's cute and flirtatious the way that we get to see it. They should sound threatening, but it comes off as a term of endearment because Noel Fisher follows the line with a short, shy smile, allowing the tension to turn to tenderness. One of the last scenes Mickey has in season one takes place after Mickey rushes to Ian's aid and it last came a knock. They're in the back room, they're hooking up, they're doing their thing, and Cash, the owner of the store and the grown married man with children that is having an affair with 15-year-old Ian Gallagher catches Ian and Mickey in the back room having sex, causing Mickey to panic and run out, only to return later to make sure Cash is going to keep his fucking mouth shut. Though in typical Mickey fashion, he does push it by stealing a candy bar and taunting the man, saying, it's sweet, I like him sweet, but then again, so do you, huh? Referring to the fact that Mickey knows that Cash has been sleeping with Ian despite being a grown married man with children. And Cash decides the appropriate response to this taunting is to shoot Mickey in the leg. Mickey is then sent to juvie, Cash telling the cops that he caught Mickey shoplifting to prevent both of them from being outed and Mickey being in no position to fight that. Now that the idea that Ian was sleeping with both of them brings up the idea of the monogamous slash promiscuous idea that academic texts bring up in reference to homosexual and heterosexual relationships. In a textbook titled Critical Media Studies and Introduction, the authors explain that more often than not in media, straight relationships are portrayed as monogamous, but gay relationships are usually promiscuous. Take the television show Queer as Folk as an example. Uh, the main character, Brian Kinney, never ever wanting to settle down, believing that that is only for the breeders. But in the case of Mickey's character, he doesn't do relationships, he doesn't do monogamy, and he doesn't expect as much from Ian, mostly because he's a little bit too damaged to expect a committed relationship from anybody at all. So in season one, Mickey looks the other way about Ian having sex with Cash, and later on he makes it known to Ian that he had sex with other men in juvie. 
However, as the series progresses, Mickey gets more and more jealous when Ian is with other men, usually beating them up and sending them on their way, protecting what is his. In fact, at the end of season four, Mickey and Ian do not declare themselves monogamous, but it's understood by that time that Mickey only has eyes for Ian. The steps toward this pseudo-monogamy start when Mickey returns from Juvie in season two. He and Ian easily fall back into the pattern of sleeping together in secret, except something's different this time. Mickey's eyes linger a little longer when he looks at Ian. He asks questions about Ian and his life rather than just bending over or cutting off the conversation with an insult. Anyone paying attention can see that Mickey Milkovich has begun to care for Ian Gallagher. The boys have prolonged contact this season when Mickey starts working security at Ian's store, and as a result, Mickey gets more comfortable with Ian and their relationship. However, getting comfortable becomes a critical mistake for Mickey when they one day forget to lock the store's back door and Ian's father, Frank, catches the boys in a compromising position. This is a moment where the audience really sees the traumatic impact Mickey's father has on him. From the second Frank Gallagher leaves the store, Mickey is in full-on panic mode. Ian's father is known... Ian's father is a known drunken blabbermouth, and Mickey is convinced that Frank is going to tell someone what he saw, and that word will get back to Mickey's dad. Terry Milkovich finding out that Mickey is gay would be a death sentence, full stop, for both Mickey and Ian. So the only solution Mickey can think of is to find Frank and kill him, to which Ian objects. And Mickey tries to explain it to Ian, saying, quote, If my dad finds out about this, he will kill me himself. And after more arguing, Mickey finally snaps, all of it boiling over and tells Ian that he is done, done, done. Ian understands this as a breakup and starts to get emotional, begging Mickey not to go. And in order to make it clear to Ian how serious this is, Mickey does the worst thing he can think of. He stomps on Ian's heart and breaks his own along with it. He pushes Ian off of him, who is begging Mickey to reconsider, and says, what's done is done. What do you think, we're boyfriend and girlfriend here? You're nothing but a warm mouth to me. However, again we say, Mickey says one thing and means another. He says that Ian is nothing but a warm mouth to him, that he has to do this for the good of them both. But when it finally gets up to the moment and he's following Frank down that alley, he takes a second, he thinks about what he's about to do, and he can't do it. He ends up throwing away the gun that he has on him, going up to the no closest cop and punching him right in the face, getting himself thrown back in juvie so that even if Terry does hear, Mickey will be behind bars. That's how tight the stranglehold of fear Terry Milkovich has over his own son. Mickey would pick going to Juvie for a second time over admitting that he was gay. He felt safer in Juvie than he would have in his own home had his father found out who he really was. And he cared so much for Ian, not that he would admit it, that he couldn't bear killing the boy's father. Mickey risked his own life that night by not killing Frank, by chancing that he could be outed to the entire South Side and come out of Juvie not only to be killed by his own father, but to watch his father harm Ian as well. In the brain of Mickey Milkovich, loving Ian Gallagher is a danger and a weakness. Every single time in the series that Mickey cracks and lets Ian in his heart, every time he starts to believe he has a chance at being happy, that's when everything starts tumbling down. Ian and Mickey kept getting written like they weren't supposed to be together. Everything in their situation, where they live, the dangers that come with being gay in their neighborhood, Mickey's ingrained ideas of what makes up a real man, all of it tries to keep them apart. The writers wanted to make it abundantly clear in the first few seasons that a gay relationship in the South Side is dangerous and unattainable and nearly impossible to have. However, the viewers 
we're having none of that. In fact, the unattainable aspect of the relationship, that's what makes it more powerful for the viewer. It makes you see the light in dark situations and gives you hope through the blood, sweat, and tears that Ian and Mickey can emerge from any dire situation together. Combined with the magnetic chemistry between these two actors, the talent both of them bring to the table, and the fan response, it just made sense to start giving them more screen time and officially count Mickey and Noel as a main character starting in season four. In the lead up to that, season three has one of Mickey's biggest turning points in the series. Once again, we start a season with him strutting out of juvie and striking his sexual relationship with Ian right back up. But once again, his time away only made his affection for Ian grow stronger. This makes Mickey less and less likely to be okay with the non-monogamous side of their relationship. When he returns for season three, Ian is in the middle of hooking up with another guy that Mickey tears away from Ian, kicks in the gut, sends on his way and then bends over to have Ian finish the job on him. And then Mickey starts to sense a threat and get jealous of an older man that Ian's been sleeping with. He takes action by beating that man up and proving his affection to Ian by kissing him for the first time in their three-year relationship. And then things really start to look good for their relationship mid-season, which unfortunately meant a storm cloud was brewing because this is television. Mickey makes himself too vulnerable by inviting Ian to stay over at his place one weekend when his family was gone but he slips up and forgets to lock the front door, which is how Terry Milkovich catches Ian and Mickey having sex. It seems most of Mickey's biggest moments of character growth are expressed through horrible violence. And this is a moment where Mickey is transformed from a boy who is scared of his father to a man who defends the one he loved. His only concern when Terry starts charging in that room is to make sure Ian is safe. Mickey actually jumps on his father's back and pulls him off of Ian, screaming, get the fuck off of him, throwing himself at the wrath of his abuser to protect the man he loves, which is monumental. He doesn't care what the consequences are for himself as long as Ian might be able to walk away from this. Once again, Noel Fisher's all telling facial expressions come into play later in this scene when a Russian sex worker is called over for Mickey and instructed to, in Terry's words, Ride him till he likes it. All of this as Ian is sitting in the same room at gunpoint being forced to watch. There's no fight left in Mickey as he lays beaten and helpless on the couch as his father waves around a gun. So when the sex worker, Svetlana, does as she's told, he has no choice but to let her. Mickey and Ian hold eye contact for a few seconds and you can actually see the moment where Mickey breaks inside. You can see the change in his eyes as he locks himself down and figures out what he can do to make this stop. He decides to flip Svetlana over so he can break eye contact with Ian, so he can convince his father that his tactic worked and he can hopefully get them all out of there alive. Three seasons of progress in the slow crawl towards himself stalls after such a traumatic event. Mickey cuts off all contact with Ian, deciding to lose himself in whiskey and self-hatred. The next time they do see each other, it's because Ian tracks Mickey down. Mandy, who is Ian's best friend and Mickey's sister, lets it slip that Mickey is getting married to a pregnant sex worker named Svetlana. So Ian demands answers. And Mickey runs away from Ian when Ian finds him. And when Ian tries to stop him in his tracks and get Mickey to admit that you love me and you're gay, Mickey's response is to kick Ian in the face. Mickey had fallen back into his routine of drinking, chain-smoking, and punching his problems away, which further illustrates the fact that he was an abused child. 
quote, adult survivors of child abuse can struggle with unexplained anxiety, depression, or anger. They may turn to alcohol or drugs to numb out the painful feelings, end quote. Now, in Mickey's case, he has some pretty solid reasons to be angry and depressed, but the symptoms still fit perfectly. Even after the beating, Ian shows up at Mickey's wedding in a last-ditch effort to convince him to back out. But what Ian doesn't understand is that Mickey has no choice. The audience can tell when Mickey is pacing back and forth in the basement of the wedding hall that he's out of place. And this is another example of the nonverbal use of this show to make the viewer aware that this is all wrong. Mickey is smoking and cursing to himself, pulling at the collar of a suit that doesn't fit. He keeps looking around the empty room and he only stops moving when Ian walks through the door. It almost looks like Ian's appearance was exactly what he was waiting for. Because when Ian starts fighting with him, Mickey doesn't miss a beat before responding. It's like they were in the middle of a conversation. No matter how hard he tries, Mickey can't seem to get it through to Ian that he doesn't want this, but he has no choice. He tries to communicate this with the only tool he knows how to use, physical contact. So he kisses Ian and pulls him into a different room, having sex with him right then and there to try and show Ian exactly how he feels about him. But Ian still doesn't get it. Finally, when he sees no other option, Mickey finally uses his words. They're in the middle of a fight about Ian trying to put an end to this marriage, and Mickey blurts out, Not everybody gets to just... Not everybody gets to just blurt out how they fucking feel every minute. And that almost works. You can see it almost dawning on Ian if they just had another minute. But Mickey never gets a chance to explain what that means because Mandy interrupts them, ushering Mickey upstairs. Mickey ends up going through with the marriage and unfortunately for him, his words do nothing to appease Ian. And so when Mickey tries to pick things back up with Ian at the end of the season, Ian turns him down and tells him he's joining the army. This is one of the biggest moments that tests Mickey. He's standing in his bedroom and the man he still won't admit he loves is slipping through his fingers. He hides his grief behind signature snark, but the audience can see the cracks. He's close to tears and his voice breaks. And when he finally pleads the word, don't, Ian walks out the door. And then once Ian is gone, Mickey turns his back to the door. And for the first time in three seasons, we see Mickey Milkovich cry. Mickey cries and he's so hurt by this because Ian is all that he has. This is a quote from Noel Fisher about Mickey. Quote, Mickey is so deep in the closet, so unable to be who he is, that I think Ian is this angel of release for him. The only person in the world, the whole world, that knows who he is and accepts who he is. And not only accepts, but loves and wants to be near and wants to see more. End quote. That's right. Angel of release. Those of us shameless fans who are also supernatural fans, I know we're all crying. I know we are. So sorry about that. Mickey's family, excluding his sister, who tells Mickey he's a pussy for not going after Ian, exposing to Mickey that Mandy has known for a long time. But his family's horrible. He's married to a woman who was forced to assault him. He's being forced to raise a child that is either a product of that assault or isn't even his. He has no friends, and the Milkoviches don't do therapy. Ian is all that Mickey has. So in this moment, when Ian is being torn away from him, Mickey breaks. And he doesn't start to even heal until halfway through season four. The fourth season is where Mickey's emotions really shine through, and he makes big, big leaps in the journey to himself. The tables are really turned this season because it's normally Ian waiting for Mickey to come back to him. And this time, it's Mickey's turn to wait and hope that his boyfriend comes back. 
Academic texts discuss the idea of partners in gay relationships fulfilling heteronormative ideas of gender roles. Quote, Homosexual characters tend to shift unpredictably between classic and opposite gender roles, or they blend aspects of masculinity and femininity in original ways, end quote. It could be argued that for the first three years of their relationship, Mickey fulfilled the masculine role. This is despite the fact that when it comes to their sex life, he is the bottom to Ian's top, and the top is normally the more dominant masculine one in the relationship in traditional stereotypical ideas. But according to Mickey, liking what he likes doesn't make him a bitch. So he remains firmly in the masculine position, while Ian was always more feminine. Mickey was always, in a way, going away to war, as Ian was the little wife back home waiting for him to return. And now, the tables are turned. And Ian was simply put in the traditionally more feminine idea of their relationship dynamics because he was more emotionally open and available. But this season, it's Mickey who's the one who has to open up emotionally. He's the one who has to be the caretaker and the one who has to fulfill what is traditionally the feminine role. Though, personally, I don't believe that being emotionally open and available is a feminine trait. And in a gay relationship, I don't think that one is the man and one is the woman. It's a gay relationship. They're both men. From the first episode of season four, we see the fragmented moments of Mickey pining after Ian. He puts Ian's picture up in the bathroom mirror and tries to use it to masturbate before getting so angry at himself that he punches the mirror into pieces. He sits at the bar asking if anyone has heard from the redheaded Gallagher, drunk as fuck and ranting about how he likes carrot tops, like with the freckles and the pale skin, fucking alien looking. He even goes so far as finding a redheaded woman that he can have sex with and pretend that she is Ian, even bending over and asking her to fuck him with her hip bones. His face in that scene shatters me because it is blank. He is sad and empty. But this kind of behavior helps reaffirm to anyone who finds out about it that he's a straight man while giving himself the chance to pretend for just a moment that he has Ian back. He's finally snapped out of his denial stupor. When Mandy bursts in on him one day and tells him, go find your boyfriend, she goes on to say, you're the reason that he left, so go find him. Now, Mickey's father is in jail this season, giving Mickey a little bit of freedom to do as he wishes. Despite the fact that Svetlana is still his wife, she is still there, she's still very much pregnant. So when Mandy pushes Mickey to go find his boyfriend, that's exactly what he does. This is when Mickey decides to shower, put on cologne, an indicator that he is healing from his childhood wounds, and gets dressed up to go to the last place Ian was seen, which is a gay bar on the other side of town. A big indicator of character development happens when Mickey finds Ian high as a kite and giving lap dances in the club. Mickey has to pay for a lap dance just so Ian will talk to him. In previous seasons, Mickey would have just given over to his physical desires, but this time, however, he's imploring Ian to get the fuck off of him and go outside so they can talk. It's obvious to the viewer that Ian is different, and we get the inkling that something could be wrong. He seems high, he seems out of it, even Mickey's like, what the fuck is going on with you? And so this is where Mickey takes up that caretaker role. Mickey finds Ian outside of the club later, obviously drugged up and being felt up by an older man. So Mickey steps in, rips the old man off of Ian, and sends him on his way before slinging a now passed out Ian over his shoulder and taking him home. Cannot express enough. Cameron Monaghan is at least over six feet at this point. Noel Fisher sits at a sturdy 5'7". So he throws Ian over his shoulder and takes him home. And when Ian wakes up and goes back to his own home the next day, Mickey immediately follows him and asks him to come back. But Ian is tired of being jerked around by Mickey. He got kicked out of Mickey's house by Mickey's pregnant wife. And Ian's like, you know what? You want me back? You want me back in your life? Suck my dick whenever I want. It's him asking Mickey, 
give a little. Give a little in this relation. I've given so much. Give back. Show me that you actually want to fucking be here. And Mickey fights it for a second and goes, man, go fuck yourself. But then he stands there as Ian ignores him, completely fine with, with Mickey saying no. And then Mickey goes, I'll do it. And drops to his knees and right then and there solidifies that they are in this together now. Mickey spends the rest of the season sleeping on Ian's bedroom floor in the same room with his other two brothers and following Ian to work, even daring to kiss him in the middle of the club one night in the middle of the crowded dance floor where anyone can see them. Let me emphasize that a little more. Mickey actually kissed Ian in a room full of people. A man who was terrified of kissing this other man, who threatened violence whenever Ian tried it. They were in a club because Ian had work, and Mickey decided to take up the position as a guard dog. It's a gay club. And after Mickey scares off a customer who's getting a little too handsy with Ian, Ian tries to sneak a little kiss on his overprotective, rambling boyfriend. But Mickey pulls away. It's just a natural reaction to flinch away because they're in public. But then Mickey takes a second to realize where he's standing. He looks around the room and back to Ian. And for a few seconds, you can see the wheels spinning in his head. It's okay to kiss Ian here. No one was going to yell at them or beat them or even fucking notice. So as the background music plays, the lyrics of make your move on me, Mickey caves and pulls Ian in for a kiss. And it's the longest moment of intimate connection Ian and Mickey ever have. The camera is spinning in time with the lights and the music. Ian takes Mickey in his arms and they kiss with love and hunger like they never need to come up for air ever again. And later in the same episode, Mickey even admits to a friend of Ian's that they are in fact together. And a few episodes later, Ian asks a similar question. When he asks Mickey if they're a couple, Mickey tackles Ian to the bed and gives him the simple answer of, of course we are. All of this suggests enormous character development and psychological healing for Mickey. He's getting over his feelings of worthlessness that come with his abusive background. He's getting over, though slowly, his shame of being gay and being in love with Ian. His sister knows, the Gallaghers pretty much know, and he's comfortable with that to a point. Mickey and Ian set up a pseudo-domestic situation this season, and their relationship seems to be leaping to new levels. And by far, the biggest step Mickey makes in season four comes during the episode Emily, where he has to attend his son's christening. Mickey's entire family, including his recently out-of-jail father and his wife, were going to be in attendance. And though uninvited, so was Ian Gallagher. Mickey's wife, Svetlana, tells Mickey to get rid of him, that Ian is not welcome there. And when Mickey tries to just bend to her request and avoid a conflict and get Ian out of there, Ian says, do you want me to go? He says that Mickey lying to everyone around him makes him not free. It makes him trapped. And Mickey simply responds to that by telling him, Ian, what you and I have makes me free. Not what these assholes know. And it's heartfelt and it's real. And again, if they just had one more minute, it might have worked. But for Ian, it's not enough. Because Terry walks in and Mickey snaps into that good little son routine, just trying to keep a low profile and keep himself alive. But Ian, he's done with being a mistress. He was Cash's mistress. He was that older man who Mickey beat up in season two's mistress. He was done. He tells Mickey he's leaving, he's sick of it, he's done being someone's little secret. And this entire episode is filled with parallels to other important moments in Ian and Mickey's relationship. Mickey pinning Ian to the bed, visually recreating the moment that sparked their first time together. The confrontation in the bar where Ian insists Mickey isn't free is reminiscent of a fight they had just before they broke up in season two. And their fight before Mickey's wedding. Only instead of calling Ian a warm mouth or saying that he can't say what he feels, 
Mickey admits that they have something, that what they have makes him free. And again, when Mickey looks like he's going to say something more to appease Ian, fucking Terry walks in and breaks the moment. And that's when Ian starts to walk out. And Mickey spouts out that he doesn't care. Whatever, bitch, I don't need you. It doesn't matter. And viewers are reminded of the last time Ian walked out. Except this time, instead of the words being caught in his throat and that weak don't hanging in the air, you see for 20 seconds as Ian walks away toward the door of the bar, we focus on Mickey and just in the silence of his face going through, seeing himself lose Ian again, he fucking snaps. It's those 20 long seconds where we watch Mickey's face as Ian walks out the door. You can see the pain of every breakup Ian and Mickey have ever had flash before Mickey's eyes before he makes up his mind. Just before Ian's out the door, Mickey bangs on the bar to get people's attention and screams, I just want everyone here to know I'm fucking gay. A big ol' mo. And there's a brief pause where nothing happens. And everything seems like it might be okay. The music comes back on. The world seems to return to normal. And then the dam breaks and Terry jumps out of his chair and charges towards Mickey. Only this time, Mickey throws the first punch and he has Ian there to back him up. This is not like when they got surprised when Terry walked in on them. Mickey was fucking ready for this fight. He planted his feet. He took the first punch. He was ready to fight for what is his. And as the cops break up the party and start arresting Mickey and his father... Terry is screaming threats at his son. And Mickey's retaliation is to scream back through a bloody face. Fuck you, don't worry about it. I've been staying at Ian since you've been in the can, bitch. Guess what we've been doing, daddy? We've been fucking. And I take it. He gives it to me good and hard and I fucking like it. This seems like a long-winded explanation of one episode, but if Emily isn't a shining example of displaying character development over four full seasons, then I don't know what is. If all of this wasn't enough, I present to you the parallel to when Mickey got arrested in season two. When Terry gets arrested for this fight in this episode and Mickey also being put in cuffs is screaming about his love of gay sex in the middle of the street, Terry gets dragged off back to prison and Mickey gets let go. Do you know why? Because the male cop arresting him wanted to get home to his husband, Carlos. The cop didn't want to arrest a gay kid who was defending himself against a monster. What Ian and Mickey had literally set Mickey free. However, this is shameless and things can't remain happy for too long on this show. Ian spends the next few indeterminate amount of nights with Mickey and we even get to see Ian and Mickey snuggled up in bed together in the season four finale. Mickey leaves Ian in bed and goes to run some errands, which leads to that aforementioned scene in the bar where Mickey returns to the scene of his coming out and all the men in the bar take a moment and look at him, crack one little gay joke, and it snaps Mickey, and then Mickey realizes that they don't give a shit who he bangs and life returns to normal. Then he comes back home and Ian's still in bed. And Mickey calls over Ian's family and they tell him that Ian might have bipolar disorder just like their mom does. And this is where it sinks in that even though Mickey's been around this whole time, in the past couple of seasons, we've learned that Ian's mother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, but Mickey doesn't know that. He doesn't know what the disease is or how to handle it, and he may now be staring at the man he loves in the throes of a bipolar depressive episode. The family explains to him that Ian may have to be hospitalized, and Mickey immediately snaps to the defensive. This is the last scene Noel Fisher has in season four, and it is unbelievably powerful. 
Fiona as the woman who has practically raised Ian because of their mother and how she doesn't handle her disorder. Fiona's willing to give up her maternal role and she's trying to explain to Mickey what this disease means. But meanwhile, Mickey is desperately trying to think of ways to make Ian better, to cheer him up, to get him out of his depression. And Fiona really pushes it when she tells Mickey that his depression could last for weeks, that what Ian has is almost impossible to handle. Because that's when Mickey snaps at her, don't you fucking tell me what's impossible. That's where you can see it hit Fiona in the face, that there's so much more between Mickey and Ian than a casual relationship. She sees the fierce determination in his eyes that comes with protecting somebody you love. And Mickey lets her know Ian is not going anywhere. He says, we're taking care of him here. You, me, us. He's fucking family. It took four seasons, but Mickey Milkovich has finally made it from a scared, closeted, abused child protecting his sister to an out and proud man protecting his partner. Even though he has no idea how to handle this illness, even though when he thinks nobody's looking, his fear starts to leak through. He knows he has a duty to protect the ones he loves, and he loves Ian Gallagher. Every season until now has ended with Mickey or Ian running away from the person they love at the time they're in most need. Mickey spends the first three seasons running from Ian, running from love, running from who he really is. But now that he's taken a chance and laid everything on the line and exposed himself for everyone to see, he has one thing in mind. Mickey isn't running away anymore. Bipolar disorder be damned, homophobic fathers be damned, a world that's trying their hardest to crush their happiness under its heel be damned. Season four ends with Mickey planting his feet in the ground and declaring to the world that he's not going anywhere. Mickey is not an atypical gay character. Mickey subscribes to heteronormative stereotypes of manly men and takes pride in not being a flamboyant gay man. His story is one that is messy, complicated, realistic, and passionate as hell. The best part being that at the end of season four, it wasn't nearly over yet. To quote a segment called Shameless Character of the Week that focused on Mickey Milkovich, quote, When you stop to think about the character growth and development of Mickey Milkovich in the past four seasons, it's pretty amazing. However, when you realize that that growth was accomplished in what equals out to roughly three hours worth of screen time, it's fucking miraculous, end quote. What more needs to be said? The writers of Shameless spent the first four years of their show creating a broken and bruised teenager and transforming him into a strong and proud man. And the process still felt natural and real, even though his total screen time barely adds up to three episodes. He's a Southside thug that can go from wanting to kill someone to being a supportive boyfriend in the blink of an eye. And as I said, season four was only the beginning. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of both The Luck We Had, a shameless recap podcast, and Skip to the Gay Parts. I will be back on the Skip to the Gay Parts feed with a recap of seasons 5 through 11 of Mickey's continued and concluded story. And The Luck We Had listeners, I hope you join me and my co-hosts Lena and Evan as we dive into season 5 coming at you shortly. Links to everywhere you can follow me will be in the episode description wherever you get this podcast. Please make sure to rate and review if you'd like to contribute to either show. There are links in my bios to the Ko-Fi and Bonfires campaign where you can donate or buy show merch. Y'all have not heard the last of Mickey Milkovich, and you have not heard the last of me. Talk to you all soon, but until then, goodbye!